Here's the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. My name is Melissa. I am your American dental hygiene host. And my name is Tabitha. I'm your Australian host. And tonight I'm really excited. We have another Australian guest for you, Cheryl Day. Not only is she a friend of Melissa's and I, but she's a dental hygienist in Australia. She's been in the dental industry for, should I out you on your age, Cheryl? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, surely I started when I was like five, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's done at five. She's not a lot, not only is she a dental hygienist, she's been a longtime volunteer within the community and held roles as executive roles in the Dental Hygiene Association Australia as treasurer and president. And she has been working for the last 10 years, oh, sorry, 11 years now, is it, Cheryl? Yes, Yes, 11 years now, in orthodontics. And so we've got her along today to talk about the role that dental hygienists and if you're from some countries, oral health therapists um, can play in orthodontics. So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Long time listener, first time caller. And um, (laughs) I'm really excited to talk to you guys tonight because I know that um, particularly for all your American and some of your other overseas listeners, they don't work in orthodontics as hygienists or OHTs. So I'm excited to kind of bring that flavor to some new people. Absolutely. I can't wait to hear all about it. Let's do what we usually do, though. And um, we're going to go right back to the beginning before you joined orthodontics. I know this story, so it's hard. um, I've got to remember (laughs) to ask questions and assume I know everything Um, because the listeners can't hear my brain. You've graduated high school. How did you find yourself going to dental? So when I was in high school, I wanted to study medicine but I never thought I would get the grade, so I didn't apply. And I started an economics degree at university. And actually, when we were applying for our university placements, a friend of mine said, I'm going to do dentistry. You should, like, do it with me. And I was like, ew, no, teeth, never, gross. (laughs) And so I started an economics degree, which I did not like, so I dropped out and I just worked in some random jobs, supermarket, real estate. And uh, one day my mum said to me, like, you have to get a proper job you have this great education, you can't just work at Hungry Jack for your whole life. Um, So she brought home a TAFE catalogue, which is kind of like um, vocational training, and uh, said, pick something out of the catalogue. And so I was tossing up between dental assisting and childcare, and she said, definitely don't do childcare. Um, And it turns out my mum knows me really well because that would have been a terrible choice for me. So I did dental assisting, and I worked as a DA for about five years, and that's where I first found out about a dental hygienist. I'd never seen one personally. I'd never met one. Um, but I worked with one in practice. And then after a few years of dental assisting, thought I could definitely do that. And it seemed like a great next step, more responsibility, more challenge. And so I went into dentistry, into dental hygiene. Yep. And then you found yourself obviously working in private general practice. How did you get working into ortho? I kind of fell into it really. 
when I was studying dental assisting, and again, when I was studying hygiene, I really enjoyed the ortho parts, but I'd never had a chance to work in an ortho practice. Always worked in general practices as both a DA and hygienist. And then I was living in Sydney and I wanted to move home to Adelaide. So I was looking around for jobs and I applied for a job at an ortho practice. And I thought, oh, I don't know if it'll be the right fit. Like I was really liking general and I thought, well, at least it's a job. Like I'll get home, I'll have work and then I'll just see how it goes. And yeah, 11 plus years later, here I am. I love it. I've definitely found my niche. I'm never going back to general. Um, yeah, I just fell in love with ortho and I can't imagine doing anything else. So what would be the average day for a dental hygienist or an oral health therapist working in ortho? So every practice works a little bit differently, just like in general or in any kind of specialist practice and every doctor works a little bit differently. The way that I work in my practice, I have two kinds of days. I'll have a doctor day where I'm working with the orthodontist and we'll see a lot of uh, braces adjustments. We'll see a lot of tricky patients that need more in-depth discussions and consultations, um, things that the doctor will make decisions on. And then on the other days I work um, solo with my assistants and I'll see things like aligner inserts, aligner finishes, braces finishes, simple adjustments, things that have been directed by the doctor, but he doesn't need to be there on the day. Um, so I work, I do a full scope of orthodontic um, treatment, basically. Um, and you would think from removal appliances, fixed appliances, braces, aligners, retention, we kind of do it all. I work on adults and kids. Um, so I'm really lucky I get such a varied day. Um, some doctors prefer that their hygienists or OHTs maybe have more restricted practice um, and that just depends on the doctor. What do you think has been some of the biggest changes you've seen in ortho? Like being there for 11 years now, you would have seen some things. What do you think are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the industry? Definitely ortho is moving more into the digital space. When I started, we were still doing impressions for aligners, um, the PVC two-stage five minutes per arch impressions and now we're all digital scanning 3d scanning um, most of the treatment that we do is planned virtually by the doctor and then carried out by myself or one of the other hygienists um, so that's all the aligners and now we're starting to do that with braces as well custom 3d printed braces all the planning is online and then uh, it's indirect bonding for the brackets we're doing 3d printing now for our retainers so definitely moving into that digital space in every aspect. We're doing digital tracking of our patients with apps on phones and um, scans. So really we're moving really into that technology space and away from that older style, so much hands-on. So how was that for you transition-wise? Like, was there a lot of courses that you had to take? Um, how, did, how did that learning transition go for you? Definitely, there's a lot of learning, um, initially on-the-job learning. Um, just with the ortho skills, we don't get taught a lot of ortho in our training here. Um, so it's a lot of on-the-job training, but then I've also been lucky enough to do a lot of courses uh, with different ortho companies. So companies like Invisalign, like Spark, Insignia Braces, Sure Smile Braces, Lightforce Braces, um, all the different ortho companies run a lot of training, which is excellent. And then I've been able to attend um, the American Ortho Congress, the sorry, the Australian Ortho Congress, the American Ortho um, sessions over in the US, which has been amazing. Um, 
So yeah, there's definitely a lot of training as you go through to pick up these different skills. Was it hard for you to transition from taking traditional impressions to scanning? Like what was your learning curve on that? I was lucky when I started, we got the scan at about two months after I started. Um, so I never had to take the impressions because I was still sort of in that training phase. Um, I had taken them previously in other practices and I've done them once or twice in our practice, but I never had to do them regularly, which I'm really grateful for because they're so specific and tricky and the patients do not like them. Um, and because working in general, I had used the CEREC scanner before, so I was actually one of the first ones to start scanning on the patients and I picked that up quite quickly. Um, so I was really happy with that because, yeah, those impressions are hard. Um, and scanning, yeah. in, initially, it's hard when you're not used to doing it, but I find it much easier. That's something I was banned from in the office, taking <laughs> impressions. <laughs> I was never good at it. I <laughs> had one particular hygienist, and that was her job. <laughs> yeah, I never enjoyed impressions, especially when, like, I haven't taken impressions in years because I've been working with um, scanners the last or five years as well now, but I remember like taking alginates and just I could never not make a mess. Like, I don't yeah. know why, <laughs> but it, like you'd have to sweep my room every time I took an alginate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I hate yeah. them. <laughs> I, was, I was never, I mean, I, I was good at it at one point when I was it, still dental assisting, but once I transitioned to hygiene, I just lost it because I stopped doing it, but it would like give me anxiety. Um, but yeah, scanning, scanning. I mean, it's, it's a little tricky in the beginning when you first start, but once you get the hang of it, I feel like you yeah. can just be so much more efficient and you just gather so much more data, so much more precise. It's like, yeah, why so wouldn't you it that way? Life is so much better. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And storage of a digital scan is so much easier than hiring spaces for study models like yes. what to do in the past. Yeah. And there's so much margin for error with even pouring them up and then the mm -hmm. chipping and mounting them and all the things. So it's just so much more precision. Work, they went over to um, a big ortho conference in America and one of her assistants won an Apple watch for how fast she scanned. How fast did she scan again? 59 seconds. Holy smokes. <laughs> That's incredible. Fastest on the day. So she won an Apple watch. She was stoked. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you just incredible. have it for 59 seconds for me, but that's fine. <laughs> I'll be like, oops, that's it. <laughs> you know what? If you're listening right now and you're a scanning master and you could do it in 59 seconds or less, make hit us up, send us a message. We want to know. Yeah, <laughs> not me. Um, <laughs> so I think I wanted to ask some questions on clear aligners because I think that's been an Definitely. area that's really changed dramatically. Like I remember when I used to work general practice and we were doing clear aligners, it really was just for basic cases, you know, mm -hmm. like very small changes, stuff that you didn't need, you know, and it was still thought of, you know, you got um, fixed braces if you had anything complicated and really aligners were for cosmetic patients, just making a few like little cosmetic yeah. changes. But I've seen your bosses present and I've seen stuff that happens at your work and it's like, whoa. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about that and explain what I've seen? <laughs> so something really cool that we're doing is using clear aligners for young kids for early intervention. So it's kind of like a phase one setup. So we're doing expansion, alignment, uh, space maintaining, uh, bike correction and getting them set up nice and young. And then they kind of have a break 
and then getting them ready for um, a possible phase two. So we sort of review them as they go along, as their adult teeth come through. So that's really cool as well. I know your practice sees a lot of adult patients as well. What do you think is the main reason for a lot of adults um, seeking orthodontic treatment? Is it because they just didn't get it as a kid and they wanted it? Or do you think it's more a self-esteem thing as they get older? Or I think it's a combination of different things. Definitely some people never had orthodontic treatment, never had the opportunity, and now they can afford to do it. So they really go for it. Um, we get lots of parents going into treatment after they see what we do with their kids and they're like, hang on, my turn, um, which is really cool. <laughs> we see quite a lot of relapse cases in adults. They had braces when they were teenagers, they didn't wear their retainers, and then they're back. They're like, what happened to my teeth? You know, they were so straight and beautiful, and now they're all crooked again. Um, so that definitely plays a big part. Yeah. What do you find um, um, with relapse cases? What do you find is the common thread there? Like, obviously, they're not wearing retainers, and I feel like mm -hmm. I feel like our generation was like thrown retainers, but not really with the concept behind like you must wear these for life. Like, I don't think we yes. were educated in that manner. Yeah. Um, but you know, do you do you feel like a piece of it is the fact that like we don't as traditionally go do ortho and myofunctional together? Do you think if we kind of moved that model, we'd see less relapse? Sometimes, some cases, definitely. Um, we certainly see some habits that were never broken um, that, you know, cause relapse, a tongue thrust that was never corrected, and then that open bite just opens straight back up, um, things like that. And definitely some results maybe weren't as stable as they could have been. Um, but then we also have those patients that just, you know, they have that minor relapse and you can just tell you know, things have held up pretty well and they're probably better than they were, but they're not that perfect straight smile anymore. Um, so people just want to, you know, they just want to move that one tooth back again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I heard a lot of uh, cosmetic works actually increased post-COVID because so many people were looking at themselves in Zoom. Yes. You know, they were seeing their camera and so like whitening and like Invisalign have actually been through um, procedures that have skyrocketed because of people just having to see themselves on screen all the time where they wouldn't normally um, be looking at themselves, which is quite interesting. We were busier than ever during COVID. We just had so many new patients. Um, and I think it was a combination of, yeah, people seeing themselves on camera all the time and just, you know, you're supposed to look at the camera when you're talking. So people think that you're looking at them, but everyone's looking at themselves, of course. Um, and also here in Australia, you could access money from your superannuation, which is like your 401k. Um, and people could take money out if they needed it. And I think a lot of people took money out for cosmetic procedures. Yeah. That they, they could afford to. And we had, um, we were lucky. We had very good government support. Most people were able to get paid by the government, even if they couldn't get paid for working. So some people had a lot more money than they usually had and they spent it on orthodontics, which is good for us. Yeah, <laughs> but you couldn't anymore or go on holidays it's yeah not saving <laughs> what do you what think percentage of, oh sorry you go melissa what percentage of uh periodontal patients do you see in ortho that are looking to you know we re-equilibrate balance their bite because of their ortho condition i'm, I'm sorry their condition. percentage uh, but we definitely um see them we get quite a few referrals from the perio asking us to get yeah, line the teeth up so that patients have better access for cleaning. Um, 
And then we also refer out to the perio. We have a lot of people come in and say, oh, I feel like my teeth have moved. Like it's probably relapsed because I never wore my retainer and you look in the mouth and you're like, mm, no, that's perio. Um, and so then we send them off to the perio and get them stable before we put them into treatment. Um, so we definitely work a lot with other um, specialists. And what do you think, um, thinking about that perio patient um, and non-compliant patients, we all know it's teenage boys. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, yeah, what do you think is one of the hardest things with um, ortho complications and compliance? Uh, I mean, with aligners, compliance is key. You have to wear those aligners 22 hours a day, otherwise it's just not working. Aligners, it's, it feels like they're magic, but they're not magic. They won't work if, you're in, if they're in your pocket. Like they have to be on your teeth to work. Um, and most patients are excellent. Um, and a lot of parents are really worried about their teens and a lot of parents are worried about kids, but they're amazing patients. Adults are far worse at compliance because like they had to, take them <laughs> to drink coffee, they had to take them out for a meeting and they didn't want to take, like they didn't want to take them out to dinner. So adults are definitely worse. Kids. <laughs> kids and teens aren't really self-conscious about just like whacking their aligners out in front of anyone. Um, and then, yeah, with oral hygiene, braces is, like oral hygiene with braces is tough and it probably is those typical teen boys that, yeah, you don't, I don't think they know what a toothbrush is. Um, we give our oral hygiene packs to all of our patients and sometimes I joke and I'm like, this is toothbrush and toothpaste, do you know what to do with this? And they're like, oh, yes, I'm like, but do you? Like, have you used it? <laughs> sure, don't me. Yeah. Um, but we monitor all of our patients through an app, dental monitoring, and it has um, the patients take photos and scans of their teeth at home and they get uploaded through the app. Um, and part of that is assessed by artificial intelligence and it picks up oral hygiene and it will message back to the patient, you need to work on your oral hygiene or your oral hygiene is really good or we can mark up the photos and show them this is where you need to work on your brushing, like you're doing a really good job but circle this area here, this is where you need to work on. So that's a really great tool and we found um, a huge improvement in our oral hygiene when we get new staff come in, sometimes they're like, how do you get your patients to look after their teeth? So I was like, obviously it's me giving great instructions, but you know, dental wondering gives some good reminders. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's really that, amazing. Yeah, There's a lot of research between like with app based and AI, especially teenagers, because we know that they're much more attached to their phones and technology Definitely. and it isn't technology for teenagers. It's life that, yeah. you know, it's not like right. us who didn't, Yes, and it's and it's technology for them it's just the basics of life there's other good um yeah. i was reading some research on like text message reminders um actually really improving um oral health outcomes like I me mean, i'd be so annoyed if someone texts me all the time about brushing my teeth but for some people i think teenagers they like texting so it's just like fine like i'm just like leave me alone <laughs> it's their like well preferred method of communication and yeah. um dental monitoring has a two-way messaging system so like we message them all the time about different stuff but they can message us and we find that kids will definitely message us with a question whereas you're never going to get a 14 year old boy ringing up the office and saying i just want to double check about my elastics but yeah they'll text no worries that's 100%. such a great point because they would probably not even tell their parents like that they no. had a question they would just like not wear them or do it wrong or what have you yeah. so that is such a great way for improved compliance because especially your target population like you said this is this is not even it's just the way they operate you know 
Yeah. So you know, I wonder you if you could put that on Snapchat. If you have it on Snap- <laughs> Snapchat, you probably have compliance like through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. Well, TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so what do you think that's been like something that really turned the corner for you guys having AI technology for motivation for the patient? Yeah, it's really good. Um, and it's really changed the way that we practice. Um, we put all of our patients on dental monitoring, whether they're in aligners or fixed. And some of our early intervention, like expanders, they go on dental monitoring. Um, it's such a great way of tracking what's happening with the patient it picks up any breakages or anything often the patient doesn't know. And we are the ones telling them you've lost an attachment. They're like, really? Like, yep. Dental monitoring tells us and then we can get them back in. So it keeps their treatment on track. Um, and it's just such a good communication tool. And because patients are taking the scan so often and then they're getting these messages and it's going back and forth with the team, they really feel like they're building that relationship and getting that really great service without having to come in all the time. So it's much easier for them with their lifestyle, you know, patients don't have to leave work, pick up the kids from school, bring them in for that five minute appointment. They're having those appointments kind of virtually every week um, without you know, leaving the comfort of their home. That's it. That's incredible. That was the question I was going to ask you is that, is it reducing the actual physical chair time utilizing Definitely. something like this? So that that's amazing. You know, I think there's so much opportunity for teledentistry in mm-hmm. just as you're talking about how you're utilizing it in ortho, my wheels are spinning on how many different ways we can use it. Like my niche is perio. So yep. like, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, I could do this, 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 and this with something like that. So it's, I, I just really see like, this is where we're moving. And, um, you know, as our, as our teenage patients move into their adult years and we're still mm-hmm. treating them, this is again, the way that they're used to communicating. So yeah. I think dentistry really, it's an exciting time to be able to kind of move into that, that um, arena of utilizing this technology. I think AI, Definitely. we're going to see a lot more, like there's so many of those apps too, or, or programs that are going in and like looking at your radiographs and looking at your periodontal charting and then giving mm-hmm. you a diagnostic based on that. So it almost kind of like for hygienists takes the emotion out of like a perio diagnostic, right? Because like yeah. some hygienists just don't have that knowledge base where they're like, um, they feel confident in telling someone like all of the implications from like a systemic health standpoint, like, we know really well what's going to happen to you if we ignore this, but like people feel bad about like a perio diagnostic or like, oh, your insurance isn't going to pay it. So they just like opt the patient out of the treatment. They don't even tell them about it. So I feel like this is such a way to move away from that. I think it's going to bring, I'm sure it's going to have some challenges and such, but I think it's going to bring Definitely. a lot of positivity. Um, <clears throat> one thing I wanted to ask you too is um, what are like the basic like it's really cool that you have this dental monitoring service that you're utilizing, but what are some of like the complications that you're noticing within ortho treatments? And like with that, are you able to see them? Like I would assume you could see them a lot sooner and prevent a lot of negative uh, things from occurring. Definitely. Um, I mean, the kind of things that we see, my boss always says there's no emergencies in ortho um, because there's nothing sort of life-threatening or terrible that can go wrong. Um, but when things do go wrong, it can slow down treatments. So, you know, patients with things that are broken or things that are lost, um, patients that don't wear their aligners, if their teeth aren't moving, they're not tracking with the aligners. Um, 
So I think dental monitoring and sort of that close watching has really helped keep people's treatment on track, keep them on time. Um, and the main complication that we have with dental monitoring would be compliance. Most people are really great. Some people just say they're too busy. I mean, I know life gets busy. It's five minutes once a week, but some people just have a lot of stuff going on. So yeah, that, that would be our main complication that we have with that. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> what was the biggest change you saw? I know you said that you and your doctor have been doing, like you was on the forefront of clear aligners. Mm -hmm. Um, but what, what's the biggest change you saw over this 11 year span that you've been with him? Has he moved to doing more of more cases that way? I know you were saying you're starting children really young with it, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but what is, what is the changes that you've seen that clear aligners have brought into the ortho industry? I think definitely clinically, there's been a big change. Um, when I started with my practice, we would see 120, 140 patients a day with the doctor and we'd be four or five hygienists. So there was a lot of treatment happening, a lot of things going on. Um, it was organized chaos, basically. We just had people everywhere, mm -hmm. so many staff, so many patients. Whereas now on a doctor day, like today, I worked for my doctor, we saw 65 patients, just him and I. Um, so I think we're able to plan things a little bit more. It's streamlined the practice. Patients don't have to come in for as many appointments, um, which is more efficient for them and more cost effective for the practice. Um, and we just sort of reshuffled stuff, changed the way that we work a little bit. So everyone's still there, but it's just, it's just really changed the dynamic of our practice. Things are a little bit calmer when you only have 65 patients a day instead of 140, um, which is nice. Get to spend I, a can't bit even imagine, <laughs> I can't even imagine what a day with 140 patients would be like. It just made me it's throw up like in my mouth a little bit when he said it. 11 chairs. Lay down ten. <laughs> I come home and I'm like, that was the hardest day of my life. I saw 10 patients today. <laughs> when I work by myself, Serious. I see about 20-ish patients. Wow. By myself in a day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try not to see usually sometimes, but I usually seven is my average. <laughs> but we have short Same. appointments in ortho, so sometimes I'm with a patient in the chair literally two minutes. Um, and then for me, a long appointment is 45 minutes. So it's, it's different. It's a different setup. So if I'm in the chair for 45 minutes or if I'm putting braces on someone, I might be in and out of the room for an hour. That's like a really, really long time with one person. Usually it's a lot shorter than that. So yeah. I can see more and more people. So what I do you think? Curious... All right, go Melissa. <laughs> I, I was curious if you're doing, like, do you, obviously you're going to give oral hygiene instructions with mm -hmm. more knowledge than a, a dental assistant who's working in ortho. Do you do any hygiene services at all? Like, do you, when you're seeing no. these patients, it's just strictly ortho? Strictly ortho. The only time I'll pick up a scalar is if I'm about to place a bonded lingual retainer and there's a bit of calculus and I'll deliberately only remove where I'm placing the wire. Um, I try and really stay away from the gingival margins as much as possible because I don't want to cause any bleeding because I don't want to contaminate the bonding. Um, but no, I don't do any kind of hygiene. Um, I do a lot of OH instructions for my patients, but I have trained my assistants to give OH. I rely on my assistants a lot. They do a lot of my OH. They do all the scanning, all the photos, record taking. They do a lot of instructions with the patients. Um, particularly on a day where I'm working by myself, I'll have two assistants 
and going between chairs so that I know that they're there with the patients and they're giving them all the information that they need. Just so you know, there's many high hygienists out there who can't get one and you just said you had two, so they're probably your dad. I'm spoiled. <laughs> I'm spoiled. I'm so lucky. <laughs> Don't, Don't worry, I do, I do know it. <laughs> you'll get hate mail now. <laughs> no, actually, you won't get hate mail from dental hygienists. You'll get hate mail from dentists who on Monday after listening to this episode and their um, their hygienist walk in and go, Cheryl has two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, well, let's do a public service announcement to all the dentists who may be listening. Your dental hygienist is a provider just like you are. So if you yes. don't clean a room, maybe you should rethink what you have your dental hygienist doing. Just yeah. saying. That's at that's my, my say... 2022 tip for you. <laughs> <laughs> at work, we now... always say hygienists should have hands in mouths. That's what we're there for. So yeah. right. we're more productive right. when we have assistants. Give your hygienist an assistant. They will be more productive. Uh-huh. Oh, well, and you couldn't do, like, you can't bond oh, um, no. rackets by yourself. You need someone suctioning and helping and passing yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, what's the hardest thing about your job? Oh, the hardest thing is, I, mm, that's a really good question. <laughs> oh, you stumped her. Already off the top of my head. I mean, sometimes it's hard, like it's really fiddly and tricky what you're doing, Um, particularly with braces. Sometimes things, everything's so small, you're working in such a cramped little area. Um, Sometimes that is really hard, but then it's also quite rewarding when you start to see the results. Um, Probably the hardest thing about my job is patients some patients are hard work and in ortho Mm. you have a different kind of patient they're there by choice um it's definitely much more of an optional thing it's not like for some people it is a health thing and a function um thing but it's not like they're not getting caries removed they're not you know getting rid of their perio disease they're there you know by choice and they do pay a lot of money they have high expectations, which is fine, but you do get those very particular fussy people. And then in ortho, we do see a lot more um, people with body dysmorphia um, and they just have those very unrealistic expectations. And for some of them, it is it is a mental health issue and it's that can be really hard to deal with. Yeah, when I worked, when I used to work general and we did some um, Invisalign and we did very basic um, cases the dentist that I work with he, he just did some easy stuff but I remember some of the patients that would come in and you would think what why are you here like your yeah. teeth look perfect and they're like so I just want to move this tooth half a millimeter and you're like red flag definitely <laughs> yeah yeah did you see that too Tabitha same kind of like perception first reality thing when when patients were moving into like hybrid full arch cases with implants like they would they would just have like the case was gorgeous and i'd be like and and they're nitpicking about like tiny little things that like yeah i'm like my eye isn't even seeing what you're pointing out right now you know and it it was you're so right on the the target there cheryl with the the mental health issue because it's 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 a a conversation that i think is important to have in the beginning of a case with ortho Mm -hmm. with um 
you know, that kind of full arch restorative option too with implants, because if you don't kind of set the expectation from the beginning, it's going to be a tough challenge once like this case is done. And now, you know, you're taking the the prosthetic out and trying to realign things or like, you're like, I can't move this. Yeah. And what yeah. you like, I can't achieve what you want me to try to achieve here without like having a, a negative consequence. So yeah. it's, it's just interesting how you have to, and it's just another way that our dental professionals have to be so on point in so many different arenas, mm-hmm. because if we can't, track that red flag, like Tabitha just said, like, you know, we, we have to communicate in a way to try to get ahead of that or say, Hey, look, like I, I could tell you that this is an unrealistic expectation or, or whatever, have that like gentle conversation about it. But, um, it's just interesting, you know, the other layer of, of that. Yeah. I have a question, Cheryl. When I used to work in a cosmetic practice years ago, like when I first graduated, we often had people come in with pictures of celebrities. Um, and be like, make my teeth look like this, thinking that it would actually change everything, not just their teeth. Do you get that also as well? Like, do people like want their teeth straightened like that? Or like, it... not a lot. Um, you get the odd one. Um, sometimes people have photos of themselves when they're younger. Like, I mean, we can straighten your teeth, but we can't turn back the clock. Um, <laughs> sadly. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, we don't get a lot of, of celebrity photos. We get some celebrity references. Um, but no, most people, I think with ortho, you do get those two different patients, the ones like you said, Tabitha, where their teeth look beautiful and they just want that little, just move this one tooth, like five degree rotation, obvious red flag. But then you get the other ones that are like, I just want my teeth straight and you look in their mouth and their teeth are all kinds of messed up and you like, this is very reasonable. And so then you do the treatment and you're getting close to the end and then the red flags start popping up like, oh, but what about this? But what about this? And you feel like bringing up the four photos and saying like, do you remember where that tooth was? It started. And yeah. how, how it's moved and it kind of develops. I think particularly with aligners, people are so focused in on their teeth for so long. It's such a big part of their life. Aligners in and out, taking their scans, everything. They just get so zoned in on their teeth it's like they need to just have a break step back get back into normal life and get away from their teeth a little bit we have we actually cheryl and i have a mutual friend and she's a red flag (laughs) (laughs) i won't name her because she might listen occasionally (laughs) (laughs) Um, when she was doing her ortho um she was like reporting back to cheryl and i and we were like i actually said to her you're the worst patient in the world. Like, I would hate you. Like, <laughs> like two days after her braces place, she demanded them removed and changed to Invisalign because she couldn't handle it after two days. I was like, suck it up, princess. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, he changed, like, she made the orthodontist change treatment. She ended up not finishing because she couldn't handle it. And, like, she was just so difficult. And she dictated so much. I said, your orthodontist literally hates you. He's nice to your face, but he literally hates you. (laughs) He's one of those people that talk about in the morning puddle, like, oh, he's coming in today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's about you at the coffee station. Yeah, I had this horrible patient. It's you. (laughs) What's your favourite thing about ortho? Who the patients are. They're just, they're happy to come in. They're happy with their treatment. They're just, they're so much happier than patients in general. We <laughs> barely ever get patients saying, I hate the dentist, no offense. Like, it's it is my favorite offensive. Line. Um, yeah. 
And in general, you get that five, 10 times a day, maybe, but we rarely hear that. Patients are quite happy to be there. And just seeing the way that, you know, you get those shy little girls come in, their hair's all over their face, they won't look up, they just talk to their lap, basically, when you're trying to talk to them. And then after their treatment starts to kick in, things start lining up, they're looking up, they've got their hair back, they're like dressing nice, they're smiling, just seeing that confidence and seeing how people can change um, just by something that like for us is such an everyday, it's just, it's my job. It's just what I do every day. It's just so normal for me, but for them, it's such a big deal. It's, it's really nice. That's so amazing. Like that. Go ahead. Yeah. What would you say to a dental hygienist or an OHT that wants to get into ortho? What's like some good steps that they can do? I would definitely, if you're working in general and you have an ortho that you refer to, see if you can go and observe see what it's like. It's very different in an ortho practice than a general practice. It's a different pace. It's a different setup. It's like a different language. It's a different world. Um, even though you're still working with teeth, it's so different. It's a whole different set of skills, um, which I really enjoy, but for some, it's not right for some people in our practice. It's quite a fast pace. I know that's not for everyone. Um, I quite like that. I'm on my feet a lot. I'm rarely sitting down um, for more than five minutes at a time, which I'm happy with. I like to be moving around, seeing lots of different people. Um, but some people do like that sort of more in-depth discussion, those longer relationships. Like we only have our patients two years, maybe less. Um, you know, some patients 12 months and then we might not see them again. And that, that's it. That's everything. And some people like to develop those kind of longer relationships, see the families, see the next generation come through. And we do sometimes see the next generation, but it's not the same. You're not having that kind of regular visit. So I would say definitely visit an ortho practice, do some observation, see what you think of it. And then if you are looking to get into ortho, there are some courses around um, that you can do that can give you hands-on skills. Um, lots of the aligner companies run, uh, the, the ortho companies run courses that you can go to um, because you definitely need some training. It's not the kind of stuff that you would learn at university or at TAFE. Yeah, we, we did basic stuff, but really not enough that you would feel confident working in. Um, yeah. Also, like we will, I was very lucky at the university I trained at. They said, we're going to teach you everything so that you have the scope to do it. Because at yeah. that time, some of the stuff we weren't allowed to do, but we only did it once. Like you did it on a model, yeah. you did it yeah. once. So technically it's in my, it was in my scope, but I wouldn't have felt very comfortable. Like I never actually did anything on a patient. Um, yeah. We didn't even do it in a type of dot that was in a proper head. It was just holding a model in your hand, like, you know, like just completely different. So I can see how many um, other oral health professionals would quite feel quite overwhelmed when they first. Definitely. Like imagine if you just hand scaled one time on a model or two times on a model and then 10 years later they're like, oh, yeah, just go scale that patient. You'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> No, it would be horrible. It would be, really, be like me giving a local anaesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Feel that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you um, see? Oh, sorry. What do you see um, in the future for ortho? Do you see any major changes? Like what do you think like in the next three to five years you're going to see in your field? I think definitely more customization. Uh, 3D printing is playing a really big role in ortho at the moment. Um, they're starting to do more and more custom brackets. So you scan a patient, 
do your online planning and then they 3D print custom brackets so that when you're cementing them onto the teeth, they fit the grooves exactly. They'll fit the anatomy wow. of the tooth exactly and they'll have the exact torque, the exact prescription built in so that when you pop the wires in, it should be a short, efficient treatment. Um, so I think 3D printing is definitely going to be happening more and more in ortho. Um, and I know they're using it in lots of different areas and different kinds of things, but I think 3D printing and tele-dentistry definitely getting more remote. People are so busy now, they don't have time. They don't want to come in for checkup appointments when things with their treatments. So the more that we can do remotely um, and the more we can do to streamline the treatment to make it as efficient as possible, um, will only make patients happier. So I think that's where the big changes will be happening. Yeah, I agree with you because um, in, you know, both of my former practices that I was working with that were doing uh, clear aligners, some of the patients that we would, you know, make the, suggest the treatment plan for, that one of the big barriers was coming in so frequently. Well, how often do mm -hmm. I have to be here? You know, and that they were like, I just don't have time to do that. So that's taking a barrier of treatment away. So I think I'm super psyched about the AI piece of this. I mean, we what treat patients think? interstate and overseas because of dental monitoring. We can keep in touch and they just have their aligners and away they go. And yeah, on the other side of the world. That's very great. cool. Yeah, that's so, so cool. One company that I suppose is, well, I don't even know if they're using AI. I think they're just, <laughs> they're just handing them out. So you look at companies like Smile Direct and another yeah. one popped up on my um, Facebook ads today. Um, for one that Chemist Warehouse is doing and you go into the chemist and they scan you and then they post you your, um, I'd never heard of it before and I no. saw it today. I, I took some screenshots of it actually because I was a bit like, and they're doing it with some whitening, with a whitening pen. Of course. <laughs> is that, <laughs> is that Australian based? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I need to look into it a little bit more, but they do a 3D oral scan and then, um, they send it to you, like send your your custom made orthodontic aligner aligners mm -hmm. to you. This is I find this very worrying. Like from a general Definitely. view, what like what do you, do you guys talk about this on? Is this something you guys talk about in the lunchroom in the orthodontic practice? And and have are you seeing patients as a result from these treatments? We've seen a few. We've had a few patients come in post Smile Direct and sort of say this is not what I imagined and like yeah um we definitely do hear a lot about it from patients um patients can sign up for an initial consult online and then we have someone that calls them back and screens them and sort of talks through a couple of major points like finances because a lot of patients come in thinking that the price point is going to be around 1500 to 2000 because that's what you can get smile direct for yeah um and so we have someone to call those patients and sort of chat to them and weed them out because that's not what we charge. Um, so we do hear quite a bit about that from patients like, oh, but why can Smile Direct do it so cheaply? It's because they're doing, you know, it's not really personalized. There's not an orthodontist. There's not a comprehensive health assessment. Um, there's not a lot of follow-up. There's, you know, it's, it's very different. We have had a few patients come in who haven't got the results that they wanted and then they're paying to have treatment with us. Um, we haven't seen really any disasters come in yet, which is good. Um, Surprising. Yeah, I think some people have been quite lucky that they might not have got what they wanted, but they haven't got a disaster, so they're very lucky. I just don't understand how you start orthodontic treatment without an x-ray. 
and how you um, yeah. without an assessment to make sure that you're you know you don't already have perio or yeah um, I find it very yeah very worrying and it was interesting I was actually reading a news article on um on it a couple of days ago and they're getting in trouble in America because they've been having patients with adverse reactions sign NDAs not to talk about it mm. did you see the news Melissa no I'm gonna have to look yeah, that up and research it that's very interesting yeah I, you know, so I'm just a court's ruled against it in America that they can't keep asking the patients to sign NDAs so that the information doesn't get out there yeah that there's yeah. Been major stuff ups but yeah it doesn't you know obviously I'm all for um, oral health care being affordable and accessible but Definitely. it also has to be safe. like and yeah. I just look at that and think you know for some people I suppose they can get away with it but you know there's you don't know if you're getting root resorption if like the roots are tipped like a tipped or straightening up yeah. like so many things that you're just going god I don't even work in ortho and I'm thinking of 50 things off the top of my head that not that isn't being checked um yeah it's very interesting but I but I think, like you said, Cheryl, I didn't realize the price point was that cheap. Yeah, you can get it really quite cheap. Um, and so some people come in with really unexpected, unrealistic expectations um, of what orthodontic yeah. treatment might cost. But, you know, this is a specialist medical field, even yeah. though people think of it as cosmetic a lot of the time. It's not only cosmetic. Like this is a specialist branch of dentistry, just like periodontics, prosthodontics, oral surgery, um, yeah, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into each case. One thing I don't understand is when I very first started like helping with Invisalign treatments at the general practice, this is before scanners were like, you know, not the norm. We had to do those two-step PBS yep. impressions on those like blue Invisalign trays. Yeah. And I remember when I first started taking them, it was really hard not to get drag on the sevens and, you know, yes. like you, it, it took a little bit to get good at them and then you were like, yep, I can master these and really good. How the hell does a patient with no dental experience make a good impression? I, like, I just don't understand. Even with a YouTube clip, I don't care how much information you give them. I just don't understand how they don't drag the seven or even get all the information. I just feel like they'd have half the teeth sometimes. They wouldn't even get the gum line because they wouldn't put yeah. it in properly. <laughs> yeah. What is the seven? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. That would be like the tooth in front of two? the wisdom tooth. So call it two. Oh, okay. And, yeah, two, um, 15. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, two and 15. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, there you go. Now it makes sense. But yeah, <laughs> it's hard. And yeah, I just so, don't understand yeah. how. Um, Smile Direct use um, putty for their impressions, The like the two putties that you mix together by hand. Um, and they get the patient, they get sent out two sets to the patient. So the patient has to take two uppers and two lowers and then they choose the best out of that which is probably part of the reason why the treatments don't work that well because the aligners don't fit because it's not a great impression during COVID yeah. we did some impressions at home with some patients and I would FaceTime with them while they were doing their impressions and it was hilarious and awful like <laughs> trying to talk patients through how to take an impression and yeah just watching them do it and it was terrible but also yeah. so funny but that didn't last long, luckily. <laughs> I feel like this is slightly entertaining. <laughs> you can't just I laugh can't... in their face on FaceTime. <laughs> I know. That must have been so hard. <laughs> it had to be so professional. Wear your mask. It was COVID. You should have worn your mask. <laughs> <laughs>
patients that can't even get an incidental brush between their teeth because they're so uncoordinated. How are they going to take an impression? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that is such a good point. Oh. I've been really tempted to go, like, like just to have a, like, to order a kit to see what it looks like. <laughs> like just to have a look. You know, like, we so, like, what does it look like? <laughs> it looks quite nice. We ordered them at work to see what was in there. Um, yeah. And had a bit of a play around. I took impressions on myself. It was hard, and I take a lot of impressions, like, not at the moment, but when we used to take alginates for our retainers, I would take so many impressions. So I'm quite good at it, and, yeah, taking it on yourself is hard. Um, but, yeah, no, the packaging's really nice. It's all, like, beautifully presented and looks really good, but, yeah. I'm going to do some research on that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and also it just makes me think, too, like, I'm a licensed dental professional. I cannot like independently practice in my own state, but some Yahoo can send you impressions and move your teeth and bone. Yeah. And you know, and there's no, there, I don't know how they work around the, the orthodontist monitoring the case. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. How. Yeah, I feel like there's one orthodontist in the whole company. I don't know that for sure, but yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a very weird. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to watch what sort of complications, you know, if they're getting patients to sign NDAs, then maybe we won't hear for a long time what the truth is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I went to a course, uh, you know, a couple of years ago where a periodontist was presenting and she had shown a couple uh, a couple cases that were results of that, like periodontal surgeries mm -hmm. that she had to do to fix after going through an orthodontic treatment like that. So it's just, you know, it's just interesting to see, like, sometimes we think, you know, do it yourself opens up a whole other can of worms that end up costing you more money in the long exactly. run. Anyhow. So, well, they now have those home ultrasonic scalers. They might send you a YouTube video for your perio treatment. <laughs> yeah, they have that. And they also have, you know, you can go to the grocery store here and buy um, Butler gum makes their own scaling kit for you. So between the two of them, we've rendered in, we we're inefficient now. We've mm. been replaced. Well, oh God, I wouldn't like to see someone with that scaling kit. No. Can you imagine the digital yeah, trauma that people are going to start to see? Have you seen any patients that have tried to do some home dentistry with their um, orthodontics, like repairs or, or do anything weird? Not so much in the practice. Um, I've definitely seen stuff online um, of some like home ortho and um, yeah, you see some nightmares. Like I saw this one video of a girl who had a diastema between her upper centrals. And so she would just get a little rubber band and put it around her teeth to <gasps> bring them together, oh, which is the basic principles of orthodontics. Slow, gentle pressure, like gentle, consistent pressure is the best thing to move teeth. So just rubber band, rubber band, rubber band. And then one day she woke up, rubber band was gone. And she's like, oh, must have swallowed my rubber band. And then she had some gingival inflammation and then she had some more gingival inflammation and some pus and she had some mobility. And then when she finally went to get it checked out, she had to have her teeth extracted because her rubber band had slipped up subgingivally and just worked Ugh. its way right up. Yeah. Oh, Awful. man. That's so, terrible. Oh. So yeah. lesson learned from this. If you're not a dental professional and you're listening to this episode, do-it-yourself dentistry is not a good idea. Definitely not. Yeah. This is not at home. Like the, the orthodontist should come with a warning. Do not try this at home. Yeah. Under the supervision of a licensed professional. I'm surprised the, you haven't had 
gluing their own brackets on though because I've had so many patients gluing their dentures back together <laughs> and, like, mm-hmm. um, and doing like weird things with their crowns and all stuff like that. So I thought you definitely have some stories of like, you know, oh, I just decided to repair my retainer. <laughs> we did have one lady who she was in a line of treatment and her teeth were really quite crooked in the front and so one of her centrals was really, really worn. And so we were aligning the gingival heights. And so one was a lot shorter than the other, like very noticeably. And she was quite self-conscious about it. And we just kept saying to her, like, just be patient. As soon as we can, we're going to get this built up even temporarily just so that you can have that length back in the tooth. And she kind of got to the point where she couldn't take it anymore. And she went to the hardware store and she got some kind of epoxy resin and lumped it onto the outside of her aligners to like build up a tooth. And then she was like, I don't really feel well. This tastes weird. And we're like, you can't put that in your mouth. You have to take it out. It's like, but what am I supposed to do for a tooth? Okay. Like, so yeah. Oh, humans. Yeah. It's quite funny because um, I actually had a patient years ago that um, she worked for a plastic surgeon and he used, he was, he's quite well regarded and he does a lot of like the botched jobs in Australia mm-hmm. and most of them are from people doing home cosmetics in their house. And I'm like, what? When she was telling me and then I was telling her, you know, it actually happens in dental as well. I could just never imagine trying to do at home besides obviously scaling my own teeth. <laughs> In the mirror, look, we all do that. We know that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but we are professionals. Everyone at home that they're like in the mirror with it's a dental professional. Let's all be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I could never imagine any other health, like trying to attempt another health provider's job on myself. No. Oh my gosh. No. No way. No. Like, no. I was like, I just, yeah, but it, it does amaze me still how many people decide that they think, oh, you know. That dentist has only you done you. Do hey, I can do that. It's <laughs> mm, absolutely crazy. Well, Cheryl, this has been amazing. I learned so much about ortho. It's it's such an incredible career track for dental hygienists. It's not something yeah. that we hear very often of in the U.S. I mean, I do know there are some dental hygienists in ortho in the U.S., but I would love to see that become more of a mainstream uh, career path for hygienists here. I think it's just, I think we will too, as we have like the next generation of orthodontics move into the mm-hmm. field or orthodontists. Um, I think they look at things a little bit differently. I think they don't accept like the legacy cultural norms as much. So I think Definitely. we will see it in the future here um, because it's exciting, you know, and it's, it's a great way to love what you do, but maybe you don't love the specifics of like a general practice or Pyreo is not your thing. So it's a really nice way to have to stay clinical, but have a different career path. So when we get there, um, it's very different on your body. Like working in dental is rough on your body in lots of different ways. And it can be in ortho, but very different than in general or in perio. It's very different movements um, and different positions and different things like that. So I think people that maybe have hand or wrist issues, sometimes orthodontics might be an option for them because it is quite different. Um, on your body, you're not sitting still in the same position, doing those same movements for a long period of time, having more breaks, you're getting up and moving around more. So it definitely could be an option for people if they're having those kinds of issues. It's something that they could look into. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. 
you don't um, utilize them as much because in Australia, like seriously, general hygienists and OHTs are running the practice while the orthodontist, like I joke all the time and say to Cheryl, when was the last time your boss put gloves on? <laughs> because he wouldn't need to because like all the other staff are doing all the dirty work for him. So yeah, um, yeah it's interesting to hear other countries aren't kind of joining in as much as we are. Um, yeah, like my boss yeah, works us, one day a week and then I work five days a week. So I'm yeah. often in the clinic when he's not there. He's at home working online, doing all this virtual planning, his digital stuff. He doesn't need to be in the clinic all the time. I can be there. I can be his hands doing that sort of thing. And I'm well skilled to do that. So it works out really well. That's very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. So our orthodontists are a massive employer of dental hygienists and OHG. Huge. Like it's a, yeah, like it's, you know, it's, well, there'd be more hygienists and ortho than perio in Australia. Way Yet more. again, the United States needs to take a page out of Australia's book. <laughs> Get with the program. Get with the program. Um, well, Cheryl, thank you so much for taking time and sharing your area of expertise. Um, FYI, everyone, we, this is, of course, of course, we we uh, love learning with you and we definitely will have to. As things, you know, I would love to have you come back and talk more about the AI piece. I think that that's really cool. Definitely. I'd love to come back. I love listening to you guys every week and hearing what you've been up to and um, hearing all your guests. So I'm so honored to be on here. Thank you so much. Hi, thanks for joining are, Yeah, thank you. And um, thank you guys, disruptors for listening. Thank you for your support. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast, share with friends when you love a specific episode and always please take a few moments to uh, leave us a review. If you like something that you hear, Tabitha and I absolutely live and breathe for these reviews. So um, please take a moment to do that for us. In the meantime, keep on disrupting. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We love to hear from you viewers and we love that you join us for our episodes. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episodes you're enjoying or some feedback that you give. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. Keep on disrupting.